Lovely listeners, welcome back. It's Tia Vento here and you're listening to The British Whisperer, the place to be to know which stories are making the headlines and learn the English you need. On the website, thebritishwhisperer.com, you can find a link to the webpage with full transcript of each episode and its translation in Italian. In this 12th episode, it's almost all about the royals. I'm going to focus first on the Princess of Wales, Catherine, and an exclusive article published on The Telegraph in which she reveals I'm determined to nurture our children in their first crucial years of life. They are our future. Next, Harry and Meghan trash the monarchy. Can William and Kate win back American hearts? This week, the Royal Highnesses are travelling to Boston in the United States as part of a three-day trip focused on the Prince of Wales' headshot prize to promote environmental work. Would it be the occasion to get an anonymous consensus from the Yankees? Royal aides described this trip as one of the most important royal visits abroad for many years. Then, on the window of Britain, Britons have been told to reduce their energy bills by turning down boilers, switching off radiators in empty rooms and taking showers instead of baths. Oh gosh. Finally, Maid Flossie, the world's oldest cat, lives in UK. According to the Guinness World Record, she's 26 years old. Wow! Let's start with the Princess of Wales, Catherine, that warns that not enough is being done to nurture Britain's youngest children as she pledges to use her role to do everything she can to protect the next generation. The Princess, writing in the Telegraph, says she is determined to shine a light on the crucial early years, calling the youngest members of society our future. Setting out a mission for the next stage of her life, in the royal family, she speaks of the critical importance of building a safe and loving world around a child. By focusing on the unique importance of the first five years of life, she says, it is possible to create a healthier and happier society for future generations. She adds, there are fantastic examples of what can be achieved when we recognize the unique potential of early childhood and build a safe and loving world around the child. But, and not enough is being done. That is why I am determined to continue to shine a light on this issue and I do everything I can to secure much greater focus on those first crucial few years for the youngest members of our society. They are, after all, our future. The princess, under a former title of Duchess of Cambridge, has already undertaken a series of campaigns to raise awareness on the importance of early childhood, with a regular program of engagements designed to boost the sector. She has now promised to continue the mission to convince the public of the unique potential of early childhood and the chance to build a safe and loving world around the child. This week she will take a message to Boston in the US as a part of the three-day trip focused on the Prince of Wales at Price. In 2023, she is expected to embark on a further awareness-raising campaign as part of the next phase of the project. Explaining why she has chosen to dedicate her work in life in the royal family to the issue, she says 10 years of speaking to experts had left her more and more sure of one thing. If we are going to create a healthier and happier society for future generations, we must start by understanding and acknowledging the unique importance of the first five years of life. She had, 
if we are going to tackle the sorts of complex challenges we face today like homelessness, violence and addiction so often underpinned by poverty and poor mental health, we have to fully appreciate those most preventive ideas and do everything we can to nurture our children and those who care for them. In a call to action, the princess adds, we have an incredible opportunity, armed with all we know now as a result of the work of dedicated scientists, researchers and practitioners, to make a huge difference to the mental and physical health of generations to come. The princess's work is informed by 30 years of expert research into the importance of the early years. Recently, she has convened a steering group of expert advisors resulting in the launch of the Royal Foundation Centre for Early Childhood to further research and public campaigning. You can read the Princess article on the Telegraph to the link in this episode script. So, do you agree on the importance of taking care of young children's mental health? You can email me your thoughts at thebritishwhisper at writeme.com. So... Royal trip to Boston, as I mentioned before, for the Royal Highnesses. Can William and Kate win back American arts? The Prince and Princess of Wales want to repair the Royal stateside image after the devastating allegations made by the Sussexes. This week, a visit to the US, viewed in Royal Circle as one of the most important overseas trips for years, aims to get the House of Windsor firmly back on the front foot across the pond. It comes just in the nick of time, with Harry and Meghan, currently the loudest royal voices in America, expected to steal the headlines next month with their Netflix show, billed by Meghan as historical documentary, to share the love story. Harry's intimate and helpful memoirs, Pear, Promising, Row and Unflinching Honesty, is published on January 10th. The monarchy is flinching at the prospect of both. Back to William and Kate. The Princesses of Wales' engagements will cover sport, green tech, vulnerable young people, climate change and Kate's interest in the early years. They will attend the second Earthshot Prize Awards ceremony in Boston, which will be shown and broadcasted on December 4 on PBS in America and the BBC in, Eng in England, of course. The spotlight won't stay on them for long, though. Two days later, on December 6, it will be back on the Sussexes as they attend the Ripple Have Hope Gala in New York to receive an award for their humanitarian and philanthropic work. King Charles moved last week to elevate the Princess Royale and the Earl of Wessex as Councillor of State. A role his eldest son already holds, but William and Kate remained the monarch highest profile asset on the global stage. The three-day trip to Boston, Massachusetts from November 30 is the first royal visit across the pond since that interview with Oprah when Meghan claimed Kate made her cry and Harry said of William, the relationship is space at the moment. The young royals had been dubbed the Fab Four because of their close bond, as you remember from one of my first episodes. Anyway, the trip in Boston will be focused on William's annual Earthshot Prize, a decade-long £10 million project awarding a £1 million prize pounds annually to green visionaries creating pioneering solutions to global environmental problems. Inspired by President John Kennedy Moonshot Project, these years' awards will be held on December 2 in Boston. The headline of a Kennedy's legacy and an opportunity for the royal family to align itself with America's most revered first family. The Prince of Wales is looking to make the Hertzsch Prize a Super Bowl moment. 
As he employs a star stud cast to promote his environmental scheme, writes the Telegraph. The prince wants the 50 million 10 year environmental initiative to define his tenor as the heir to the throne. It is considered a critical element of his increasing global leadership on the environment. A source said, pointing to his climate focus involvement in the G7, COP26, and the Jubilee, of course. On Wednesday, the Prince and Princesses of Wales will light up on Boston City Hall Green as they are formally welcomed back to the country. Their official visit since 2014. Those in royal circles know the US trip is a big opportunity for William and Kate to sprinkle the stardust Mary Americans love and elevate the monarchy above entertainment news before another narrative from the alternative California royal court its headlines again. A source close to the couple said of the first visit to the US in eight years, they are excited about being back on American shows as their first overseas visit since the passing of the Queen. They appreciate there will be a lot of interest and they welcome that. This is a huge moment for them as they assume their new roles. When it comes to the elephant in a room or on the West Coast, royal sources insist the couple won't be distracted by what others are doing or other activities that are coming up. The largely positive reaction the US to Harry and Meghan Oprah interview, which drew support even from the White House, highlighted the transatlantic divide. The US was then largely pro-Team Sussex, but many in the UK were more sceptical, and there was more questioning of the couple's claim of racism within the royal family and of mental health struggles being batted away by the institution. Yet, there are signs the US pendulum is swinging. In Megha's interview with the Cut magazine in August, she suggested she and Harry were forced into exile because, by existing, we were upsetting the dynamic of the hierarchy. A New York post from Parrish carried an image of Poti Megan on a mock-up of a children's beauty pageant outfit with the headline Toddler and Tiara. In the Washington Post, columnist Alyssa Rosenberg wrote, Meghan and her husband Prince Harry fled one toxic dynamic in the United Kingdom only to land themselves in another here. The only way for the successes to build a truly new life and have a wider impact on the causes they care about is to stop making themselves the center of the story. Dr. Christine Allen, a lecturer in the U.S. politics and international political economy at the University of Leeds, who is from Massachusetts, says William and Kate's visit to her home state is especially timely. The Oprah interview undoubtedly damaged the image of the monarchy in the U.S., but there is a lot of excitement about this visit, she said. AIDS Royals are keen to emphasize the person visit is a trip, not a tour, and part of the more modern approach to statementship, which is about going into the heart of communities and promoting the issues that are close to their hearts, not just going to the White House, of course. Last week, Kate comforted families displaced by the conflict in Ukraine during a visit to the Reading Ukrainian Community Center, telling a tearful mother who fled the country with her three-year-old son, I wish we could do more. The princess is also working with Ukraine's first lady, Olena Zelenska, on how to support the mental health of Ukrainians fleeing the war after the pair met at Buckingham Palace in September. Back to Dr. Christine Arler, uh, the lecturer in US politics, she says that the US visit will help rehabilitate the image of UK. After Liz Truss and that mini-budget, a lot of people and media in the US were like, what is going on with Britain? She said. 
it got a really lot of negative attention. A royal visit brings a positive message. No more baths, we are British. <laughs> Let's move to talk about the cost of the living crisis. Ministers are said to be prepping £25 million public information campaign to encourage Britons to save money by turning down boilers, switching off radiators and submitting to showers instead of baths. The notion of saving our fuel bills is of course of vast importance. However, in making this pronouncement, the government will unleash a debate of national, indeed, proportions. The issue of bath versus shower is one of humanity's fundamental dividing lines, greater even than whether jam or cream comes first in dressing a scone. The latter, of course. I know which camp I'd be rather in. Team shower, team bath, well... Showers may save energy, but there is nothing a bath can cure, writes the Telegraph. The government may be about to tell you to stop having a soak so you can save money, but a ritual of relaxation is priceless. Do you agree? Are you team shower or team bath? It's taking great restraint not to include a story about cats or dogs in every podcast episode, so I don't feel guilty about this one. Let's talk about Flossie who has been named the world's oldest living cat. She's known to be at least 26 years old. Wow, 120 in human years. Her story is one of redemption, having been a feral cat living in a colony near a hospital in Merseyside when she was adopted. She outlived her first two owners and was then taken into the care of cat's protection, but now has a loving new home. Craig Lanley, editor-in-chief at Guinness World Records, said, We are happy to see Flossie settled and enjoying all the home comfort she deserves in her later life. A huge congratulations to Flossie, a highly deserving record-breaker. Flossie is deaf, mostly blind, and often maintains a grumpy expression, but she has cause for celebration after being named the world's oldest living cat. A former stray, she outlived her past owners and the calculation of her age from the era of adoption in 1985 might be not that right, so she might be even older than 26 years old. Naomi Rosling, the branch coordinator for cat protection who he roamed Flossie, said she had never known an older cat. We were flabbergasted when vet records show Flossie to be nearly 27. She is the oldest cast I ever, ever met, at least 120 years a <laughs> human. If I'm in such a good shape when I'm her age, with someone who does what's best for me when I'm needed in most, I shall be a very happy lady. This brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. You can find the link to the page on thebritishwhisper.com with the full translation in Italian of all the scripts. If you enjoy my show, please hit subscribe on Apple Music or Spotify so you don't miss any episode. And if you enjoyed it and you would like to support, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review. And if you can, a small donation via PayPal. 
To stay up to date with The British Whisper, you can follow me on Instagram at The British Whisper and spread the word. And you're welcome to share any feedback, thoughts or ideas, writing an email to thebritishwhisper at writing.com. And I hope you can take some valuable information from this episode and apply it to your English learning. And be sure to come back next week for a new episode. Until then, I'm Thea and this is The British Whisper.